hello. Welcome to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast that takes on current cultural and social issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. All right, here we go again. Episode number two. All right, we've made it to number two. This is good. I like I like creating these episodes that can go on a little bit so that I can get a little more depth to the conversation. So today I am going to talk about the basic outline when I do clinical work. Uh, this is This is the basic family outline. All right. There's when, you know, last week when we talked, I, I went over the biology and environment, just setting the stage that these both play a factor, right? If your, you know, your biology makes you athletically prone, meaning you develop athleticism, you didn't pick that. The biology is the biology. And if everyone in your family has that ability, then that's that's one of what we call a biological gift, right? We also have biological detriments, right? That would be something like, eh, you know, in our family, we all end up having to have braces because our teeth are all crookedy crooked. All right, I didn't have braces, but my teeth are crookedy crooked. And for those of you who know me, you know that it just it's just what you get with the deal. I, I don't I don't have braces. I never got braces, and so I got some crookedy teeth. Um, they're well taken care of. I'm just saying, I'm a big believer in good health, but that's the biology, right? But I told you again that we are going to be spending the majority of our time talking about the environment so that one, you can make sure the environment that you are in or are creating is a good, healthy environment because it could be a surrogate for somebody else, but also it needs to be good for you and the people in your environment. So we're going to spend some time talking about the basic outline today. So for those of you who are on uh, Rumble or YouTube, uh, I am going to be uh, putting up a, a view of something that I use as a basic outline, okay? You are going to get a chance to see this. It's going to take me a second. Those of you who are, are watching me fumble around, I apologize. But this is the basic outline of all therapeutic uh, stuff that I do. Okay, this is the guiding principles and the rules. Now, in the therapy process, I do three things. We talk about roles. We talk about principles. And then we discuss goals. Okay, the principles and the rules is going to be the middle portion. That's where we spend the vast majority of our time. The roles are very simple. Okay, if you are, say, the disciplinarian, that's a role. If you are the student, that's a role. So I typically, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on roles. If y'all want me to go back to that and do that, I can. Um, it's, it's useful, but let's be real. Most of you all, you could write down your roles in about three minutes. You just sit down and you just say, okay, what do I do for the family? I'm the taxi driver, the cook. I'm the, uh, the, the, uh, 
the parent, the caregiver. I'm the, uh, I am the shoulder people, you know, cry on. I am the, so you're the emotional supporter. You know, I, and you can go through and you can list out your 10 to 15 typical roles. It's a great exercise. You should do it. I've done that in other podcasts in the past, but today I want to take the next step, this guiding principles, because you've got roles, principles, and then goals. The principles, this is really foundational, okay? The roles tell us what we are to do within the principles, right? So this is, I, I took some time early in my career to distill this family work. And what I did was I looked at, I must have looked at a hundred different, you know, family seminar uh, materials, you know, these, these, you know, this, if you follow this process, your family will be awesome. Love and logic and, you know, all of these different processes. Okay. And I said, what do they all have in common? Because what I wanted to do was create this right here, what you're looking at right now, if you are following along. I wanted to create a cheat sheet for everybody that would be functional for them, okay? And I have done it, okay? It's not a miracle document. What it is, is a document that allows you to shape a system around your family. Okay, it's saying your family is first, the relationships, and the issue, the processes are second. That puts things in the correct order. If we say the process is first, then we neglect the individual aspects of the family, meaning we ignore our biological gifts to say we're using this system. This system will make all of us better. It doesn't work like that. We have to account for the uniqueness of each individual within the system. Wherever you are, you're, if you're watching me, you just saw me. I, I had to pause and take a drink of water. We have like tons of smoke in our area from some uh, forest fires, which is pretty typical around here where I, I live. Um, we get these forest fires that come through periodically. Some years are better than others, but uh, I, do, I don't live in uh, urban areas where uh, the forest fires may blow in every once in a while, but generally it stays away. Um, we get them pretty much every year in little pockets. And uh, <clears throat> so I need to drink water today. So you might see me do that. All right. So if you're following along, we call them guiding principles or rules. We, I stay away from the word rules because it doesn't go over great with children, to be honest. And children meaning, well, anybody that, I don't know, still has a childlike nature to them. We are designed to explore the world. And so rules inherently uh, you know, create this, this stigma of like, well, you're going to tell me what I can't do. Well, let me tell you, 
And so what I like to do is say guiding principles. They're beacons that point us in the right direction, as opposed to telling us you can't. I'm saying if you're moving in this direction, you're healthier. You're doing it. It changes the scale from right and wrong to healthy and unhealthy. All right. So guiding principles is the language I tend to use. Do what you want with that piece. I don't really care if in your family you want to call them rules, call them rules. I don't, I don't judge people on that part of it. But step one is you set up three to five guiding principles. These are things that direct our attention. That's going to be things like, you know, in our family, we're loving and kind and respectful. Uh, we, we, we put God first. Uh, we, Let's see. Um, we follow directions the first time when you have young children. That's a good one. That's like almost a must. Uh, I don't ever mandate what people put for their principles, but there are some that are really good. You know, we, uh, uh, you, you know, the list goes on and on. So we, we set five, three to five. Now, why is the number three to five? Because when I went through all of those systems to see what they do, any of them that got more that got more detailed than about five principles, they didn't last very long. They weren't systems that were sustainable. And so they typically fizzled out. Oh, we have the eight or we have the 10. You know, some kids, some families can do that, but it gets increasingly more difficult when you add more. Most families that I know, three or four is where they found their sweet spot. And so three to five is kind of a rule of thumb, but it is not a mandate that you have to have three or you have to have four or you have to have five or, you know, you can't have six or seven or eight. Some families can do that. Okay. So that you, once these are established, these are environmental protections. Think about it like, you're you're deciding what's going to be in the environment. Well, we eat, so we're going to have food. We sleep, so we're going to have beds. Um, even if that's a sleeping bag on the floor, it's going to be someplace that we know is our safe place to sleep. We exercise. Um, we we have oxygen, so we're gonna we're gonna make sure that the oxygen is in the room. We're we you know we oh, we definitely like physical affection. So some physical affection that is appropriate and healthy will be in that space. Uh, emotional safety. These are things we're accounting for when we're looking at our guiding principles. So they're pretty generic in general because the adults, the parents will define them as we go. So what the language is doesn't matter so much as you're going, you're going to develop what that language means. So don't get caught up on it. If your kid says, well, oh, I, I want loyalty. And you, you say, okay, what does loyalty mean to you? And you're like, oh, what they're talking about there is respect. All right. We're going to use the word loyalty and we are going to define it as the adults to say what loyalty actually means. It doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, stand behind you every single time you do anything. What it's going to, which is kind of what typically means when people say loyalty, we are going to define it as 
if what you are doing is good and healthy and moves in a healthy direction, then we are going to stand behind you. And if what you are doing is unhealthy, we are going to be the first ones to correct you because truly that's what loyalty is. All right. So it can get, it can get pretty funny in there, but you know, don't get hung up on the words too much because they get defined over time. The reason we have three to five, three to five is because, and that was not, that was actually on purpose. I did repeat myself. Um, the reason that we have three to five is because if they are not things you are talking about on a daily basis, they are not principles. If your kids are being respectful, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I had this, uh, this interaction the other day. I was, I was walking along and at, uh, we were at a, a friend's house and this little girl, I didn't know her. They had a bunch of company. I didn't know this little girl. She must have been maybe somewhere around three years old or thereabouts was walking across the lawn and she saw a plastic solo cup and she picked it up. And took it to her mother. She at three years old picked up trash. And took it to her mom. I being the guy that I am. Went over to the mother. And I just said. I don't know if you just saw what happened. She brought you a cup that she picked up in the lawn. Somebody else probably threw it down. Because. The way that she came across this bridge and went over to the, I mean, it, she, it wasn't her cup. She picked up the cup and she took it to her mom and handed it to her mom. She knew you don't leave a mess behind at three flipping years old. I'm like, that's a kid that's going to learn how to go camping. You pack it in, you pack it out. You don't leave the trash behind. But we talked about the respectfulness that that is. Uh, and, and it was a brief interaction. It was maybe like a 30 second interaction. It wasn't a, like a clinical interaction. It was just a very personable, you know, Hey, your daughter just did something really cool. She picked up the trash. That is such a kind thing to do. That is such a respectful thing to do. We use, we use our principled language around those kinds of things. So here's another thing you do. You post them in your home. Whether that's you go out to the store and you find things to talk about love or talk about respect or talk about loyalty or talk about kindness or talk about the importance of, of following directions or you talk about things that, that are God oriented or you, you know, whatever you go you, or you make them or depending on the age of your kids, you have an art project day and they make them. But whatever you do, you post them around the house. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Because biologically, the way the human nature is, there's a reason why the marketers want to get advertisements in front of you as much as they can. Because they want familiarity. When you say Kleenex, you mean tissue. When you say tissue, you immediately think Kleenex. That's a marketing tool. Why? Because we are creatures of habit. Inside of us, there is, and even the most, uh, like I am probably one of the least habitual 
in a lot of ways. Like it is very difficult for me to stick to a specific schedule. I work on Kairos time, not Kronos time naturally. Uh, I just do not like the rigidity of a schedule, which is part of the reason I do clinical work. Each hour is different from the last. So even though I may be on a Kronos time, clock time, each individual session is so uniquely its own. And that's a big deal for me. But you post them around the house and you create the, the habit of seeing and talking about them and, and interacting with them on a routine basis. Notice in my process here, when I distilled the content, I'm not telling you what to believe as a family at all. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you how to create your foundation so that you can take what you actually believe and put the foundation in place to be successful. It means yours will be unique. It will not be the same as mine or my neighbors. There may be components that are similar, but they are not going to be the same. Okay. And then you refer to them many, many times daily by reward and consequence, which I will get into. All right. I may not. Well, you know what? I probably will make this a little bit longer today and I will get into that. And so the, uh, the, the, the rewards and the consequences can be as simple as affirmation, uh, which is you know, kind words of like, Hey, I just noticed that, you know, even though lately you've been a little on the cranky side, you, you today, you really flipped it and you went back to being so kind. And I just got to tell you, like, I really appreciate that. And that has a way of ingraining it. It's like watering the roots and that thing is going to grow. So over time, we do that. We do that by rewards and consequences. So once that is done, that will probably take you a week or two to get all in place. You go on to step two. You make a list of rules or expectations, all right? Things that in our family it would fit within our, our, our guiding uh, principles. That's going to be things, uh, you know, like, um, you know, you, you, we all participate in the family. Why? Because that's the loving and kind thing to do. And so what we are going to do is we are going to put some things in place so that you can be a contributor. You're going to do trash for the next month. You're going to do dishes at least two times a week. You're going to, uh, you know, you're going to clean the, the restroom uh, for you and your sister, you and your brother for the next uh, week. And then we're going to flip flop. And, and it teaches them to be, uh, to, to live within the principles. Okay. And so, you know, you establish, and typically at the beginning, there's not very many, you don't need to overwhelm them with rules uh, or expectations. It's, it's, you need to establish stuff that points them to their principles because that's ultimately what, what we want to do. And I'll talk about goals at a later date. So here we go. Then we, create the discipline process. Now I have a fun exercise that I love to do with creating the discipline and the rewards process. This is my favorite, favorite piece to do when I'd sit with, uh, you know, uh, kids, anybody that's still living in the home. All right. So that could be a 17, 18, even a 19 year old on down to, you know, a super young. 
I, 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 I tell the parents something like this. Okay, I want you to sit quietly. I don't want you to say a word. Just watch what I'm doing. And then I say, all right, what are the, the rewards and the consequences in your home? And I ask the kid. So if I got, like I say, a 15, 16, 17 year old, they're going to be fantastic at this, you know, younger than about 11 or 12, it gets a little bit more difficult, but it can be done. It's just, you gotta, you gotta tailor it a little bit. And I, you know, and then they, I just say, write them down. I want, I want a list of 10 to 15 consequences, a list of 10 to 15 rewards. And they, they go inevitably they come up with, you know, a, 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 a dozen consequences, no problem. But usually when they get to the rewards, they have a hard time. It's almost always this way because the consequences hurt and the rewards just seem like it's ordinary part of life in the home. So they may not connect it very well. But the most important thing that I'm doing is by having the parents not talk, I am getting a list and then I have the kid prioritize that list. They take that list and they go, oh, okay. So the worst one of them all, and that's like step two of this process, the worst one, and I haven't put a one by it. And then the, the, the next worst, number two, and then three, and then four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, whatever they've got, right? And they number them with one being the worst, the one that they like the least. It, it drives them the most nuts. Okay. So then I go to the parents and I say, was there anything that we missed? And the parents will inevitably have one or two, not always, but almost always add one or two. And the kid's like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and so we've got this list of consequences and this list of rewards. And then typically what happens is the parents add a lot more to the list of rewards. Well, I like to tell you how much uh, you're doing good. And then, you know, I, I like to, uh, you know, give you hugs. I think that's a reward, but you're telling me that doesn't seem like a reward to you. That's because we're talking different love languages. And so that helps us point to that. And then we usually have to address that. So we pause there and we do that. and So on it goes. But this consequence list, I ask the parents, while the kid is prioritizing them one through whatever, right? Let's say one through 10. Simultaneously, I am having the parents prioritize that list, that that list, not the ones that they're thinking of, but that list, right? The parents have created a list of consequences and rewards that they think. The kids have created ones that they think. They're not sharing them. And then they prioritize them. And what ends up happening every single time is the parents realize that they think something or some many things are in different orders. Why is that a big deal? Because the parents are working off of their list and their priorities and their expectation of what it means. But the kid is working off of a totally different prioritized list. And so I tell the parents, this is when I look the parents in the eyes and I say to them, your list of priorities in the order in which you put them don't mean jack squat. They don't mean anything. The kid's list is the only one that matters because you have to speak the language of the kid. If the kid said, you know, losing my cell phone is the worst thing you could do 
Or if the kid said, uh, you know, I-, I had to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a week. That was the worst consequence I ever had. Guess what? That's the worst. The parents list doesn't matter. That's, that's why I don't let them communicate during that process because I want the list to be authentic. I want it to be a real representation of what's going on internally for that kid or for the parents. That's a really big deal. Once we have that, then I can tell the parents, cross off, cross off all your numbers, put the kids' numbers on your list. Forget what you think you knew because you were wrong. And the kids love that, by the way. They love it when I tell the parents, your list is wrong. Um, but then I stick it to the kids. Why? <laughs> because I'm trying to create a safe environment. And so I tell the parents from now on, since you're using their priority of what's the worst, when you select a consequence that matches the offense, that matches the offense, okay? In other words, it's kind of bad. You know, you're three minutes late getting home. I mean, that's, and you didn't communicate. That's kind of bad. If you're 30 minutes late coming home, that's a lot worse, right? So it's kind of bad, deserves a consequence. It's really bad. It deserves a more significant consequence. And so you go down the number list and parents will get creative. They'll be like, well, can I combine a couple of them? Yes, you can. You can be creative like that. You're like, oh, I want number nine and number seven because they both fit that uh, behavior. Uh, And so, yeah, you go, okay, great. So you use both of those. And that's still not a number one or a number two, or a number three, right? The kid doesn't come home at all that night. You're probably going to number one, two, or three, somewhere in that vicinity. It's going to be, it's going to be a stinger, right? Okay. So this is all done. And, you know, now we've got principles in place. We've got consequences in place. Um, They are known They are known by the kid and they are known by the parent. That takes some of the emotion out of the consequencing of a child. Now, that's a really significant thing to do because if we discipline emotionally, we often discipline incorrectly, right? If if I'm angry and uh, let's say in your family, you believe in spankings. Spankings are are legal. They're fine. Um, they're not. They're not always the most effective. But let's say in your family, you you believe uh, that spank. By the way, we say they're not always the most effective because the kids tell us, "Eh, I get to a point where the spanking doesn't really matter anymore." Right. And so, if if however it is what we do in you know in a family, what I tell them is I, I'm like, okay, here's the thing. They know the consequence that's coming. They know they don't like it. You have no need to do it from an emotional place. You already know they don't like it. You don't have to angrily spank your child. You could be disappointed and you could say, I hate doing this. I don't want to do this. But you did this thing and the consequence is this. And I being the one responsible for discipline, 
That's my role. I'm the one who has to implement this process. I don't want to, but I'm going to. Why? Because I love you. I care about you. And all consequences from then on are always 100% of the time about growth and not about emotion. Holy crap, folks. Did you hear that? Every consequence is about growth. It's about movement toward our principles, values, our, our goals as a family. They are not about emotion. If your head is not exploding right now, uh, you know, uh, that's awesome. That means you've known some stuff. Um, they have to be about growth. Every consequence is a growth opportunity. If you're doing it to quell emotion, you are consequencing incorrectly. That's not the point of a consequence. Okay. The goals are where we're going to set the boundaries and all that kind of stuff later on. I'll get into that. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're reading along with me, uh, you know, this is a cool little cheat sheet. Um, you know, the, the, there's, I, I give a list of, of common, uh, consequences, uh, stuff like that. Um, but remember consequences are really twofold. There's, there's only two things. It's an add in or take away. It's an add in. I'm going to put something in their environment or I'm going to take something out of their environment. That's really all. I mean, when you look at consequences, we could talk about natural consequences versus, uh, you know, uh, predetermined consequences. You know, predetermined consequences might look like, uh, you know, if X, then Y. You know, if you are late, then I take your phone. It's known as predetermined. That's the consequence. It has the, the consequence really may have nothing to do with the actual behavior. It's just if X, then Y. That's not a natural consequence. Those are not the most effective consequences. Those are the consequences that we have in our legal system. Again, not the most effective consequences. The most effective consequences are going to be relationally natural consequences, meaning, uh, if you act out at the dinner table, then you have the in the more immediate natural consequence of you're going to clear the table and do the dishes. It doesn't matter whose turn it was. It's your job now. Why? Because we don't act like fools at the dinner table. Okay. Something like that. That would be a more natural consequence. Um, all right. Um, the rewards again, make the list, prioritize the list. Make sure the rewards are known, just like the consequences are known. Uh, the, the, I love doing this one with, uh, you know, with you know teenagers who've gone through addiction. With teenagers who've gone through addiction, I, I love this one. The long-term reward. Why? Because addiction is a long-term challenge. And so a long-term reward and then miniature rewards building up to it are really valuable. It might be something like if you stay sober the entire year, 12 months, and we've got things in place, like maybe we're going to do some UA stuff and all that kind of junk. And you're sober for a full year. Then we are going to take a trip with you 
to some place that you've been wanting to go. You know, that might be, I don't know, uh, to, you know, like Disney World, or it could be to, you know, a trip to Europe, or, you know, it could be a road trip, uh, you know, a camping trip. Like we're going to go seven days across, you know, three states and do camping trips. Um, you know, it, it's something like that because that long term reward is something that helps motivate them when they're weak. When they're weak, they're like, you know, I can't do that. If I, if I stay sober, I get to go uh, on a safari uh, uh, outing in Africa. Like, I don't want to miss that. Right. And so, you know, we do stuff like that. And so you set up those rewards, both short-term, long-term, and you set up the consequences. And like I said, the natural consequences tend to be the best, Um, but it's good to have some that you're prepared for, for those more extreme situations where you know your emotions as the uh, disciplinarian are going to be out of control. And that, my friends, is the guiding principles. That is foundational. That is what sets the tone for environmental safety. And next time we talk, I'll go into some details that are, uh, you know, that are going to push us, push us toward our principles a little bit more. All right. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope this was good and entertaining and, and, uh, you know, are moving you in the right direction, giving you some good tools. Thank you for joining us. Have a good one. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate our audience a lot. So we give you some simple ways to track us down. Please like, subscribe, and follow all the podcasts on different platforms. But you can also email us at healthyperspectives at protonmail.com. Or you can check out our website at healthy-perspectives.com slash podcast. It's a backward slash. So if you want to go to our landing page, if you go to healthy dash perspectives.com. You'll still find us. You just got to click on the podcast button. Thank you so much.